Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. How are you? Carol Francis with Make Life Happen, and today is specifically about making life happen, helping those soldiers who are returning to their families in the community, and being able to show that we can be supportive, but also understanding the transition is not easy. And I don't care how solid the families are, how solid the soldiers are, it is awkward and uncomfortable at the very least. Let's face it, the soldiers have gone through trauma we can't understand if we've never been there ourselves. And let's also face it, that the families have had to go through a situation of wondering and worrying living with their own form of post-traumatic stress disorder because they have had to live with the angst the entire time their soldier has been gone. We're going to spend a number of sessions on this particular thing. It is corresponding to a book that I have written uh, called Reuniting Soldiers with Families. Reuniting Soldiers with Families, and that can be attained on lulu.com, or you can go on my site, drcarolfrancis.com. And, of course, you can look at the program and we'll tell you some more information. Here's where we begin. I want you to sit there as either the soldier or as the family or as a community member that knows soldiers and their families and imagine for a moment what it must be like to be in everybody's shoes. And I want you to recognize that you can never assume that you can truly understand the experiences that shaped another person's life. You might be able to listen, be compassionate, be empathic. You might even be able to have common ground with that other person to some degree or another, but your life is always distinctly different from any other person on this planet. And therefore, to be able to respect the fact that you might not quite understand and to listen, not preach, to listen and absorb, not just assume, to wait, to pause, to understand what has gone through. Take a moment now to see if we can have some empathy with what a soldier has gone through. You know, soldiers have trained they have served, they have faced life-changing experiences, and they are distinctly unique from civilian life. And those soldiers who have gone abroad or aboard have lived within a culturally different community, no matter where they have gone, where they have served, where they have trained. Their living conditions, their relationships, and their job responsibilities alone are really unique. And then piled on top of those differences are opportunities to live among impoverished, appreciative, third world, or foreign lands with many rich cultural traditions and attitudes that expand a soldier's worldview. Now, those items alone, without the trauma that we've imagined them having gone through, which we can only really imagine, their life is different. They are going to form differently. They are going to expand and mature differently. They're going to have different points of view. But then add on top of all of this, there are the fears. The soldiers are placed in hostile and unpredictable, violently aggressive or volatile situations where they must contemplate life and death daily. 
So to survive and to help others also survive, soldiers must develop a variety of skills and attitudes that are extremely different from the civilian's points of view. So civilians in the United States, we think nothing of freeway driving, usually, <laughs> peaceful walks through neighborhoods, or agonizing under the pressure of paying bills or deciding which restaurant to visit for lunch. We've grown accustomed to having those be the difficulties we face. A soldier has agonized about being shot at, ingesting rations, laced with dust or bugs, transporting in tanks in 120-degree weather, battling children age six and up who are well arsoned, or bloody human carnage, a death of a buddy, a loss of a limb, and this place, hatred from a nationally um, person, a national that is trying to help them, or the judgmentalness of their own nation. I lived through the Vietnam era, and I remember the return of the soldiers to a hostile nation. We weren't really angry at the soldiers. We were angry at a situation where we possibly should not have been. And perhaps that is always the contemplation, no matter what your political point of view is, and are soldiers sent in vain or with a purpose? And that's always a question that even the soldiers have to ask themselves. Now, beyond that question that the soldiers have to face, even deeper than we do, it's a theoretical political question or debate here, but there it's a question of life and death a number of times. In addition, the soldiers have a camaraderie. Their camaraderie between the soldiers who have shared these common experiences. They have survived to tell. They've had intense and unique stories, and they can comprehend each other. There's a certain brotherhood and sisterhood that cannot be equaled in many respects in their civilian world when they return. And that, for some soldiers, is quite difficult because they miss the camaraderie even though you would think it would be something they'd be relieved to be back home from. They don't know how to tap into the intensity of that camaraderie here. It's a different experience for them. Now, in addition, add all of this, as we're trying to understand what a soldier's experience might be, for some soldiers, the horrors of what they did and what they saw are crippling. The visions of moments, the guilt over decisions or actions made, or debilitatingly overwhelming. These soldiers are so needing to be honored and helped, and yet their internal world is quite perplexing to civilians who can only face such horrors in the safety of sleeping nightmares or Hollywood versions of bloody battles. Yes, we might read distilled books of military strategies or incidents, but these are often just softened. Our thoughtfulness for the eager reader or the moviegoer Yes, things are distilled for us. No words or movie or nightmares are parallel to actually being in the 3D experience, the flesh and blood, where their dusty boots had to face the grotesque and the confusing pillage. Now, for some soldiers, it confers that the electricity, the adrenaline of the fighting, the sniping, the sleeping with an eye open, or the ready trigger finger, they find it to be interestingly addictive. See, all other forms of life become too tame, too dull, too meaningless. The other forms of life seem dreary or unappealing when compared to such highs. These soldiers are wired so differently and perhaps having different experiences than other soldiers also perplex the civilian. Likely a civilian is more inclined 
toward raising a family, having stable employment, having community picnics, entertaining sports, and other calm activities. But for some soldiers, the extreme adrenaline of what they have to endure and go through becomes intricately part of who they are. So this particular book about reuniting soldiers with family is an attempt to offer insights and techniques and practices which will guide each member toward being able to better appreciate the process of reintegration. The soldiers need to have more empathy toward the people who have been at home. And the people at home need to have more empathy for the soldiers and what they've gone through. There can never be a presupposition that you know what the soldier is feeling. And at any given time, a soldier may be having a myriad of different reactions, good and bad, to having gone abroad. Or perhaps they're struggling with guilt and at the same time feeling very brave and honorable in the decisions and difficult actions they had to take. Simultaneously, they may be living with nightmares Nightmares so much they may have disengaged their own consciousness from those nightmares. Simultaneously, they might be very much missing the camaraderie of what they experienced. And then we come back home to those of you who love the soldiers, who care about them, who want to connect, who want to feel, and return perhaps to the beauty of the relationship that you had before they departed, before they were trained, before they had these experiences. But how do you do it when your soldier is so different? And how do you do it when you, as a home person, native to the United States, just don't quite understand what your soldiers have gone through? Yet, nonetheless, for those of you who have been home without your soldier, you have learned how to survive without their presence, their love, and their comfort. You have learned how to survive without the assurance that your soldier is safe on any given night or day. You have learned how to take care of the chores and routines, demands of living in this culture. You have learned how to be happy and how to manage your fears and anxieties and even your anger. You have been living in wonderment and puzzlement about what's going on in some other way with someone you love. And now your soldier comes back, a different personality, in part maybe happy to see you and in part maybe longing for what they're missed. These are complicated processes that everybody has to go through, and you can survive those. In fact, I want you to take a moment to contemplate that you actually are a part of a human history that is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Soldiers have been leaving families, home, children, wives, husbands for thousands and thousands of years. Soldiers for of the years, decades of years, have gone away, not even having the opportunity for Internet connection that we do now. Soldiers have returned to new lands, new strange faces, having gone to battle for their country, and no one having had any contact whatsoever. These are not new experiences. They are human experiences, nonetheless. For families, community, loved ones, and children who have to endure this, I'm so sorry that you have to go through the struggle. This is part of your path. I'm also sorry for the soldiers having to have gone through what they have gone through. Instead of the cushion of living at home, taking care of the chores and frustrations at home, and here yet, here yet, even another frustration awaits both of you, and that is trying to figure out how to reintegrate your life back. 
In order to be able to capture some of the experiences of a soldier in a poetic fashion, I am very excited to have a poet here. And I'm going to have her introduce herself. Just a moment. Let me see if I can get her on. Hello. Are you there? Hello. Yes, I am. How are you this evening? I'm so good. Well, introduce yourself, because actually I don't even know you. I've read your poetry. We've done a few emails. Who are you? What do you do? (laughs) Well, um, my name is Sophia E. Degas, and I have just recently entered the online uh, major retailer realm. Uh, My book is called The Voice... Yes, my book is called The Voice Over Time. And what I mean by what I just said is that it's just now entered the websites of uh, Barnes & Noble, Books Million, Amazon.com, and various other websites all around the world, as well as uh, major retailers in the U.S. So um, feel free to Google it and, and find it um, in uh, in bookstores online, and if you um, ask your bookstore, your local bookstore, to uh, in, to get it for you, uh, you can have it, and they can have it stocked on your shelf. So one okay. thing I'm seriously doing. No, yes, what, hello. Say say the title of your book really slow. I want to make sure everybody hears it. What is the title of it? <laughs> the name of the book is called A Voice Over Time, and my my a very book is a, is a, a voice. Yes, a voice, a over, voice time. over time. By yes. Okay, by Sophia E. Degonis. Okay, Sophia E. Degonis. I'm trying to repeat. I want everybody to be able to get this, and I will be putting this on the site <laughs> later. But yes. Okay. Yes. Wonderful okay. people get to um, hear about the book. It, what, what specifically in the book addresses okay. the heart and soul of a soldier? Tell us some about okay. that. Okay. Well, um, this um, this particular poem I have it also featured on YouTube. It's a very very hot topic for people since um, you yeah. know this whole. You know, especially after September 11th weekend and everything, and uh, this this particular poem, this this is me literally putting myself in the in the eyes, ears, and eyes, ears, touch, and nose of an army wife, literally. And and it's not just about an army wife; it's it's about every woman who has some family member that is in some branch of service. But in this case, I decided to focus on the army wife because it's a very it, this is a very common theme, and um, yeah, and especially for the, for for this show, it's a definitely relevant. So, anyways, when I was writing this poem, I was um it, it was in between the years of 2001 to 2003, and um and I published the book in 2007, and but it's now getting some buzz since I've just it's been released everywhere. And and the the objective of this poem is to give people an understanding of what goes on inside the mind of an army wife. A number of them they just put a straight face, you know. But this poem expresses their inner agonies and their anxieties, and I hope to actually give you that example to not only to you but to your listeners. Uh, everybody listens. I wish I had some moving mood music behind us, but please listen, listen with your heart. And to try mm-hmm. to absorb these words, they're beautiful. Please, now, can we just have that beautiful poem of yours? Read it to us. Okay. Okay. Soldier. Ready and willing to serve whatever purpose may be, he is my soldier, the other part of me. As each day goes by, I wonder why he was taken away from me. I know he must serve in whatever way he can. He is by no means a machine, but merely a man. He is to play for the war. I think about what I will see. The next time I open the door, what will it be? I live every moment with my heart beating in my head. 
and moments of forcing myself to get out of bed. I find myself day and night, in and out, with only one prayer, hoping that I'm heard and not just talking to the air. Though no one knows the true agony I live with, I put on a strong face in a way to portray Lilith. In my sleep, I can hear the guns in my head. I suddenly find a way... I I suddenly wake to find an empty spot in my bed. I live with agony and I love with deceit because his honor comes first and my love must retreat. My hope when he comes home will be that, like that of a Shakespearean sonnet because I want him to come home with his shield, not on it. I love that last phrase. I want him to come home as a shield, not on it. Is that correct? Oh. Yes, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, when can you can you put into context any of your experiences that you've had, knowing wives or watching them or being moved? What, what's the context of this in terms of your own own personal observations or experiences? Um, that's a good question because um, this poem is based on many of them. <laughs> this poem is actually based on many of them. It, it's from multiple experiences, uh, but not necessarily uh, my own, but what goes on inside the minds of my friends. You know, because there's, um, you know, uh, there's one friend of mine that I reconnected with on Facebook who is the, who, who she herself is an army wife. And, um, there was, yes, and there was one time when she actually wrote a blog about how much she, she misses him and that she was a sobbing mess. And I, and I looked at that and I said, you know what, this was the very reason why this poem was written, you know, at the time. And um, I've also heard from various other people who um, I used to know, especially when we were kids, you know, they would enter the, this branch of service. And then I would uh, somehow, somewhere, some way in the background hear stories from the mouths of their families saying, oh, my God, I, oh my God, I wish I didn't do that. I wish they didn't have to go so far. I wish this, I wish that. And I thought to myself, so this is what they go through. So what I did was I literally pulled all these experiences together and I decided to put them into one poem to give that kind of example of what these uh, people seriously go through. I mean, it's, yes, it's something that, um, it can either make you or break you. It can unite your family or tear it, you know, tear it apart basically from the look and the sound of it. And so, um, my hope is that the stuff that I write is literally that selfless. Um, you know, my my goal basically, especially with this book, is to give people an idea of what the other person is going through. Or, you know, if they've lost somebody, you know, I, I, what I do is I, I, I find some way to bring them peace. And this poem, believe it or not, fits that theme of giving people some kind of peace, some kind of understanding and compassion of what these families go through, whether it be a wife, a sister, a brother, or cousin, a friend, you know, niece and nephew, that that kind of thing. It's like uh, it could be even their favorite uncle or their favorite, um, just whatever favorite relative. But in this case, you know, um, channeling it down, this this comes down to an army wife. Um, The last line in the poem where I say my hope when he comes home. Read it again. Read it again. Okay. My hope when he comes home will be that of a Shakespearean sonnet because I want him to come home with his shield, not on it. This goes back to the ancient Greeks. And um, the and Spartans, what they used, the Spartan mothers used to say, to, to the Spartan wives and mothers used to say to their men, come with your shield or on it. That was how strong, yes, that was how strong these women were. So um, in this and, case, and what you know, choice, she, And what choice did they necessarily have? I mean, that's the same way we're facing now. If our government sends them and they decide to get what choice does any spouse or family member really have 
it's a it's it, like being thrown exactly. into a situation that you're really not the primary person. You are mm-hmm. being um, and you're being affected by someone else's collect or collective of other people's decisions as to what might potentially happen in your life. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit akin to that sense of like pervasive helplessness. And here you mm-hmm. are having right. to make a victim yourself, which is um, one of the things in my book that I that I mentioned that the people at home, women, mm-hmm. children, mothers, fathers. Um, the people at home are also inclined to suffering a post-traumatic stress disorder that is associated right. to a long and chronic stress response, a feeling of uncertainty, and a feeling of that this is being they're being victimized by a series of other things that are out of their control, and that's what you capture is this woman saying, "I'm, I'm saying these prayers, but is anybody really there listening? Do I have any sense that it matters to any divine?" to any source, to any government, to any individual, that I long that my soul to come back whole and that we can reunite into something that will be happy. And that's what your poem really captures is that sense of trauma that they have to that they coexist with as they forge ahead in their own mundane responsibilities of life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I wanted to point out. That's basically what, yeah. what I wanted to point out is that... Um, Yes. Um, so far, you know, when I go out to poetry readings and I read this one, this one in particular gets a very warm reception. This one, Beautiful. because it hits because it hits home with a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've mm-hmm. I've written other stuff that's more elaborate for my next uh, for my next poetry book, but this one uh, in particular, this poem is probably it, it is by far one of the strongest because um, it's well, not only rhymes, yeah, not only rhymes. Yeah, it not only rhymes, but it also goes in a bit of uh, in a little bit of a spiral, and it's like that that spiral that sits at the seat of your soul kind of thing. That was right. basically my the idea. It's like the the further yeah. the further you go into the poem, the further you kind of reach the seat of the soul of that person. There right. you find their gut. You get right yeah. down to the gut of, of that person, and so that's what thank I you saw. So much. <laughs> You're in the midst of being a literary. Uh, I thank you so much. Let's talk again. We're going to talk with you in the future about another one of your poems that it pertains to other topics. Because uh, you, you write about human experiences, and that's what this show is all about, is encouraging people mm-hmm. to embrace their human experience and make life happen, regardless or mm-hmm. because of those human experiences. Again, give me your web page where they can see your materials, the name of the book and your name, and then we're... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will talk to you at another show. So one more time. What is your web page? Oh, my web page. Oh, I've got a ton of them. <laughs> well, the, well one that, you can, the one associated yes. to this poem. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one you can actually find on Facebook. Um, if you request okay. me on, uh, yeah, if you fa- if you request me on Facebook, my my link is facebook.com/gypsypoetradio. You'll find my poem in that uh, in, in the notes Beautiful. section, and I, and I and I will Gypsy repost Poet it Poet for radio. Okay. radio. Yes. And I will have that reposted so people can take a look. Nice. Okay. Nice. All right. Oh, please. Will you post it on my page as well? That's Dr. Carol Francis or Dr. Yes. Carol Francis' show. I would love to be able to do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your mm-hmm. time. Please let me know what you think would also be pertinent, and I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you so much sharing your 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 imagery and capturing people's hearts. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. So that is a beautiful, beautiful um, 
expression of how we are attempting to really understand each other. And that really is the first thing I want you to take away from this program is as you're in the process of trying to understand each other, I want the soldier to look at his family or her family, parents, children, spouse, or partner, and say so respectfully from your heart, I really don't know who these people are. I don't know what they've gone through in my absence, and I don't know how we're going to create this connection, but I'm dedicated and committed to the effort it will take to reunite our hearts, our minds, and our daily chore routines together in the same manner that I was so dedicated to the well-being of my fellow soldiers and the nationals that you were protecting and the country you were trying to save. Um, You were dedicated on behalf of so many known people and faceless people, and here you are back with your family, the grind of being able to reunite, to reconnect. So look first at each of these people and say to yourself, there's a part of them that's a stranger to me, a part of them that I don't know because it's new. They've changed. They've gone through so much. I'm going to take the time, honor them, and be patient with the effort of getting to know them once again. The patience, acceptance, and non-judgmental attitude will help you in the transition. That's like my first uh, recommendation. Like manner. You, the spouses, the partners, the children, the parents of your soldier, I want you to, in your heart, know that you are not communicating or connecting with the same individual that left. This person has changed. It wouldn't really matter what experiences he or she has away from you. Anytime an individual is away from you for an extended amount of time for a dramatic set of reasons, they come back and they're different. They're matured or they're traumatized or they're enhanced or they're enlightened. Uh, And and their experiences and what they've known themselves to be able to do has created a sense of mastery as well as possibly an internal sense of disaster. So you have no idea who this person really is. So I want you to look at your soldier and with all respect, all honor, be able to know that you really don't know who this person is and that because of that you can take your time to come back Get to know that person. Sit, listen, and communicate. Do you know that listening is actually a very brave act because you have to listen to things you might not want to hear. You have to feel what you weren't in control of. You have to watch and resonate with things that will confuse you, worry you, and make you feel perplexed and out of control. To listen to the unfamiliarity of another person can provoke anything inside of you that's related to fear or worry or a sense of unfamiliarity, or I don't want to hear it. And so to actually be able to sit and listen to each other, soldier to family, family to soldier, to listen, to listen to the nonverbals, to listen to the expressions, to listen to the actions, and to listen to the words that they ultimately share. Now, some of the people, soldiers and family, are not communicators through words. So you have to listen through non-words. And others are communicators through words and emotional expressions, and you have to be able to listen to those as well. That's step number one. Honor the other person has differences now. Honor that your process now of reuniting is about creating a new relationship with a new person. Honor that you've also changed. Honor that it will take any number of ways of actually careful listening to be able to move the relationship into an intimacy that you long for. Now, what do you listen for? Well, these are the exercises for the soldiers. Soldiers, the first thing to do is to write down or recognize how your worldview has changed. Number two, 
how your emotional stability, availability, or your inclinations, your emotional inclinations have also changed. Thirdly, how did your personality change? What are your traits? How are they different? Fourthly, how's your self-confidence? How is that different than when you left? Five, are your political views different? Do you have a different way of looking at things now? Six, what is your capacity now? to be compassionate, or your capacity to be aggressive, your your capacity to be gentle or analytic. So notice that the first exercise for soldiers is to come to terms with how they have changed. How are they different than they used to be? The spouses or the the loved ones have to take that same sort of stock, but here's the list you need to pay attention to. You are going to look at who you were before your soldier left, before he became involved in being trained, and also who you are now. So the things to consider are, what's your emotional stability and availability like, and what are your personal issues with your family and friends that have developed since he has left? Secondly, what are your new responsibilities? And what ones have you taken on that you didn't have before? And what are your new levels of competence and capacity or angst or frustration? That's number three. Is What skills have you developed that make you a different person, both in terms of your competence and your stress level? and your capacities that you didn't have in your soldier left. Your soldier's not going to know those things. Your soldier is going to have you frozen in time to the past, and you will have your soldier frozen also into what you remember. Fourthly, those of you that are left here, the loved ones and families, really pay attention to your new relationships and their importance in contrast to relationships that you did not have or did have before your soldier left. Fifthly, Take stock on what your new independent skills are. And sixthly, pay attention to how you are now managing your finances, the way you are managing your schedule, because those actually have a big impact on your personality and the way in which the soldier reintegrates himself or herself back into your family. Finally, just like that beautiful poem that was read to us, those family members and loved ones, take stock in the ways you have coped with your fears, your loneliness, and your loss because those will have a great deal of impact on how your personality has changed in the interim. Well, those are the recommendations for Part 1, and we will continue as we go down this to really provide you an opportunity to heal, to grow in your intimacy, to actually come to terms with who each other are. You can reunite with your soldier, and your soldier can reunite with you. Soldiers, you can reunite with your family. It does take consciousness, effort, deliberation, and dedication. And soldiers, you have shown so much of that. Families, you have shown so much of that. We thank you on the eve or the post-eve of 9-11 for what you have done. Now let us help you reunite. Take care. Dr. Carol Francis saying goodbye until next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.